A lot to talk about this week from AEW Dynamite and NXT, including a tease of the four horsemen, a big Hall of Fame-worthy talent coming to AEW, and a big announcement coming to NXT. We talk about the ratings, review both shows next on the Squared Circle Psycho Babble. My name is Michael Valenti. Joining me is Ralph Valenti. Ralph, let's get down to it, starting with AEW Dynamite. Shaq and Jade Cargill, and not just their AEW debut, but their pro wrestling debut in a mixed tag team match against Cody Rhodes and Red Velvet. You you saw Shaq dominating in this match, some vicious chops. You saw him power slamming the guns. You saw him getting power slammed by Cody Rhodes, him going through a table, Cardgill posing every 30 seconds. What was your thought of this match? Uh, well, the match itself, I mean, the match itself, I wasn't necessarily a fan of. I thought there was a lot of issues with the match and the layout of it. Um, Hold on. Be- there- before you continue, were you expecting more, though? Think about this. You have Shaq, no, who's no. never wrestled before. You had Jade Cargill, who never wrestled before. Were you really expecting a masterpiece? No, no. I, I wasn't expecting a masterpiece. But that, then again, I wasn't expecting a whole lot out of Pat McAfee when he went up and, and had some of his matches. So... You know, I I, re- I had realistic expectations for this. So within those realistic expectations, I would say that Shaquille O'Neal far surpassed what I thought he was going to go out there and do. I thought that Agreed. he worked well. I thought that he looked good. I thought that when he was going out there and working as trying to work as a wrestler, he came across as a wrestler and not just an athlete trying to pretend to be wrestler. He used his size well. Mm-hmm. Um there were just a couple of things that I didn't like in the match. One of them being, I felt like a lot of parts in the match or a little, po- a couple of points in the match had really big moments just for the sake of having the moment, uh, the table spot, you know, and I know that's a part that everybody's kind of talking about. That's getting a lot of attention at the end of the day. Yes, that's going to get a lot of attention. And, and, and the fact that Shaq being in that match, mm-hmm. people are going to be drawn to that. Right. But the fact that you couldn't even try to eliminate the referee so that way you can make an excuse for them putting that table spot there. I mean, you know, why aren't you doing that? The guns getting involved in the match, hitting Shaq with the chair. Like, is there some sort of animosity between the, the Shaq and, and, and the, the gun club that we don't know about? Um, I, unless that was announced on like an episode of BTE that I didn't see or AAW Dark. I, I certainly didn't know about that. So I was a little kind of taken back by that. And it's almost like, well, why are you doing these things? Um, if, if they're not good, if they don't, if they don't serve a purpose for the match, like, why is it happening? I kind of felt like they were doing certain things just to mask the fact that these two, meaning Cardhill and uh, Shaq were very green. Um, you know, look, Shaq was brought in to get attention and to get viewers to watch AEW last night. I think that it's getting enough attention. I think that people were interested. Are those people going to continue to watch AEW? I don't know. Me speaking as a wrestling fan, the match itself, I didn't like. But you know what? I think they utilized Shaq the best they possibly could. Yeah, I I wasn't sure exactly what to expect from this. I thought Jade was going to be the standout in this match. And I think she was. She looked really good in the ring. She didn't really look too green. The only thing that I had a problem with with her was the fact that she was posing after almost every single move that she executed. It reminded me of Elton John. I went to see Elton John back in 2007. And after every song, he stood up from his piano, waved to the crowd, went back to his piano and did the next song. Instead of just going to the next damn song. Jade, and maybe this was how the match was planned out, but I feel like this is something she could easily fix. 
Stop with all the posing every 30 seconds. It's great to do it once in a while to get the heat. And it worked the first couple times. But when you do it after every move, it's a problem. Now, Yeah, and there was... Sorry, let me just cut you off really quick because I, I, I want to talk about that really quickly. Uh, so one of the parts in the match that I really didn't understand, and this is where I talk about her being green or just parts happening in the match that just were incoherent or didn't make any sense. I think she actually had a figure four applied. They did the whole spot where it gets reversed and it got reversed back where Jade was actually mm-hmm. in the, the dominant position of the submission and she literally let go of it. And I think either stood up and just walked away from her or stood up and posed to the crowd. It's like, if you have a submission locked in, right? And the match, the point of the match is to win, to get your, your opponent to submit or to pin them. Why are you randomly letting go of the submission? That go that just shows her her um her lack of experience, not knowing right. what to do in that situation. Like right. there's multiple ways out of that spot. Um, and as a wrestling fan, you know, I I I that's something that I pick up on instantly. So that part didn't make sense. The table spot didn't make sense. The gun club didn't getting involved didn't make sense. The thing that bothered me most about the match, Cody actually slammed Shaquille O'Neal, and it came from out of nowhere. They didn't build towards it. It didn't serve any significance. Shaq is huge. They said he was like 300 and something plus pounds. Over 365, I think they announced him as. Yeah, that should have been a huge moment in the match. That should have served some some sort of purpose, some sort of uh, ramification. It should have played into the outcome. Like Those were the things that in the back of my mind as a wrestling fan, I'm like, no, this match itself, at the match itself, no thank you. I know there was a mentioning of it before the match, either in their back and forth on TNT during the NBA coverage or during Cody Rhodes media call. I remember something being talked about Cody slamming Shaq or wanting to slam Shaq. So it wasn't like completely out of left field, but if you didn't watch either one of those or listen to the call, I think you would have been out of the loop. And obviously I'm assuming you didn't neither. Correct. You're, you're, yeah, you're proving my point. Like something like that. Build towards it. Use ring psychology. Use drama. Like build towards that high moment and build it up. Like they didn't do that. It, he literally just kind of slammed him, and then Shaq got up and was in another dominant position, like mm-hmm. a couple seconds later. So, right. if it's that important, and this is one of the things that I don't like about AEW, they don't make certain things feel as important as they necessarily should. So, if that is that significant. They should have been building that up on Dynamite for weeks. If the spot where Cody's slamming Shaq is supposed to be that important, they didn't build it up during the match, and they certainly didn't build it up until the weeks leading into this, at least from not on Dynamite, they didn't. Right. Now, I think on the on the positive side, I thought the match definitely exceeded my expectations. I think there weren't, there weren't any botches, to my recollection. No. Shaq looked good. Cargill looked good. Red Velvet looked good. Cody, I mean, he's he's the pro there, and for the for what he had on the on the table, he led that match as best as he could, and I think the right person won. Jade pinning Velvet was the right yeah. move, especially when you have Velvet being ranked number one or number two in the last three or four weeks. Cargill winning this match just shows her dominance. I would not be surprised if she ends up being in the top five next week. Give her a push to whoever is the women's champion after Sunday. Great move there, in my opinion. And as and I got to give props to the commentary too. The fact that they tried to make that sound as great of a match as it, as it was, or even better, 
props to Shivani Ross and uh, Excalibur on that. So thoughts let's of the move- teleportation out of the ambulance. Right. I, I have no idea what that was all about. I thought <laughs> I thought what was going to happen with that was I thought he was going to disappear. And then later on in the night when Max Caster came out for his match against 10, he was going to pop out of the boom box like Kazam. But that didn't happen, unfortunately. <laughs> but let's move on to how NXT started. It was a tag team match. Timothy Thatcher and uh, Tommaso Ciampa going up against the tag team champions, Danny Burch and Oni Lorcan. But before Champa comes out, um, Bartel and Thatcher are talking to each other. Later on, we see Imperium on the stage, and it costs Thatcher and Champa the match. Then we get a tease later on in the night where it seems like Thatcher might be joining Imperium. At least that's what this might lead to. Would you think of this? I think Thatcher would actually be a great fit for Imperium. I think I think he would fit well in the group. I because th- I I don't think that his strong suit is is um, promos and things of that right. nature. I think that his strong suit is his in ring work. So mm-hmm. him being in the group, I mean, one of the things that the group desperately is missing is Walter. On you know, unfortunately, and and you know, if they were able to get him back, just having his presence there, that would bring them up and make them a much more credible faction, at least to most fans. I would think. Um, but I think adding Thatcher into the group, probably a, a good story that they could build for a couple of weeks and, and build suspense and tension between him and Champa. Uh, so I, I'd be into it. I don't see I don't see it as being an issue. I, I don't see it. The only thing I have a problem with is you have so many you have a lack of depth in the tag team division. And breaking Thatcher and Champa up might be too early. I, I would like them yeah. to stay in the tag division, but obviously Thatcher and Champa are really good singles guys as well. So, you know, it was a makeshift team. They had to create some animosity and pair them here. It, it'd be it'd be interesting to see where their story develops. So, I'm interested to see where it goes. Um, Birch and Lorcan, obviously, as the tag team champions, winning a non-title match helps them out too. This was supposed to be a title match against MSK, but. Because Wesley, uh, I believe, broke his hand. That match did not happen. So we'll see when that match gets set up. But let's head to back to Dynamite. And after Pac and Ray Phoenix had a quick two-minute squash match, not even worth discussing, we go to the press conference. So we had a couple reporters from Barstool Sports, one of them being Brandon Walker, who was just on the kickoff show for TakeOver Vengeance Day. So I don't know if he'll ever be back in NXT because he crossed over to the dark side, but we also got, Hey, Hey, it's Conrad. We got Eric Bischoff all asking questions. MJF with the quip of the night after Conrad Thompson asked if Sammy Guevara could come back to the inner circle. He, MJF just shuts him up by calling him Turkey tits. I heard it like three or four times after that clip. And I could not stop laughing my ass off. Obviously, this leads to questions from Bischoff talking about the Young Bucks. The Young Bucks come out. They cut this kind of super babyface WWE-style promo about love and compassion and empathy that Jericho and MJF don't have. It leads to... it lead, Oh, are you okay, Ralph? Are you okay? Oh, my God. I was still nauseous after listening to that most pathetic promo I've ever heard in my entire life. It wasn't that bad. Stop. Oh, stop. I couldn't tell if it was a promo or a freaking eulogy for the father. Did he get beat up or is he dead? What the hell happened? Well, MJF did bring up. 
My father, our father taught us about compassion. It's oh, save it for Tiny Tim. Save it for somebody else. <laughs> this is that why was we the get... most pathetic, unmasculine, disgusting promo I have ever heard in a professional wrestling show. I've I I can't even begin. I couldn't watch it. I swear I could not watch that. What? I, that to me was the biggest turnoff of any Dynamite show I've ever seen. That did them no favors. I thought that was a terrible approach. This is why we get the reputation from some people thinking we're an AEW. Why? Because no, because nobody wants to tell the truth. What 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 was good about that promo? Was I mean I'm being honest here. Was it that a promo it or was it a eulogy? Could that I, not be have read have been read at a funeral? It it could, but I I think it brings the point home of. The upbringing of the Young Bucks and, you know, without Papa Buck, there's no AEW. Without AEW, Jericho's uh, jerking the curtain in the Performance Center. I thought that was a great line. It wasn't the worst promo ever. It wasn't the greatest either, but I would not go to the point where I'm vomiting in front of my microphone right now like uh, you are. Well, maybe I'm just too much of a cynic and I'm just too cold-hearted, but maybe. I'll tell you this much. So the Young Bucks, we'd imagine here, are supposed to be the face in this, this rivalry. Correct. And MJF and Jericho are the heels. Correct. That left me wanting to see Jericho and MJF kick the ever-loving shit out of the Young Bucks. That's that, what that left me. Because I just, I, I'm sorry. I, I, can, I don't know. There was, that promo hit me a certain way. I thought it was vile. Not, not, hustle, not hustle loyalty, respect for you? Not the, not the same level no. as that? No, he taught us love and compassion and God go fucking change some dirty diapers or something. <laughs> Come on. Medic. It wasn't that bad. But after, after the young bucks crash and give as Ralph calls it, the eulogy of Papa Buck, there's a, a pull apart brawl. Santana and Ortiz get put through tables that sets up their match uh, for Sunday. I thought it was a decent uh, segment. The only thing I have an issue with is we had the shack table spot already. Why did the Bucks need to do a table spot? Um, and then there's a pull apart brawl here. And then later on in the night, there's another pull apart brawl to close the show. So if you're doing a wrestling show, you need to not do certain things more than once pull apart brawls, table spots, you know, those should be a once one segment per night thing, but that's the only issue that I have with it. But let's get back to a little bit more of a comedic side, Ralph. Back on NXT, we have... was being comedic. Well, on NXT, nonetheless, <laughs> the way go to therapy to try to fix Austin Theory from his Stockholm Syndrome. Uh, at first, there's three segments throughout the show. The first one, uh, Johnny Gargano gets kicked out. The second one, Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell get kicked out. The third one, we find out that the, the therapist, the psychiatrist, the psychologist, whatever she was, tells Austin Theory that Dexter Loomis hated him and doesn't like his T-shirts. He's obnoxious. He goes out crying and find out that Johnny Gargano paid the psychiatrist off to try to fix Austin Theory. I thought this was a really good segment. Really good. I, I'm... Not been high on the on the way, but this one here I think was a hit. I thought Indy Hartwell was the star of this with her I little one liners and uh, you know, a lot of the things she was saying, the way she was acting, 
the way she's infatuated with with Dexter Loomis is kind of puzzling. But at the same time, it's funny, you know, and I know a lot of times people say, well, Ralph, you don't like comedy and pro wrestling. I like comedy and pro wrestling so long as it's done well, you know, and I thought that this was done fairly well. I think that Austin Theory showed a little bit of character. I think Johnny Gargano. Look, Johnny Gargano has his ups and downs in this role. I think last night he was on fire. I thought he really did a good job. So I thought that these segments over the course of the night really helped kind of push this storyline beyond what I think it's capable of. Because when you think about it, Dexter Loomis is a guy that doesn't talk. There's only so much much you can do. But when you do segments like this and you can find other ways to get people interested, it's it, it, it works. The only other thing I wish they could have done is, you know, maybe put the psychiatrist number up on the screen because Lord knows if I sit through another one of those young bucks promos like that, I'm going to need a psychiatrist. I'm going to need somebody to it's evaluate not that my mind. bad Ralph. It's not that please, bad please. guys. Look, if, if there's anybody that has any sense, if there's any real men left out there, you could not have sat through that promo and not wanted to go gag yourself in the bathroom. It's not possible. There has to be people that agree with me. I'm sure there's some, I'm sure there's please. some that agree with you, but I like, like I said, it wasn't the worst promo ever. Like, I'm not going to go to my psychologist and tell him, my God, I saw the worst promo ever. The young box here, but all right, we're, we're getting derailed a little bit, Ralph. Let's, let's go back to AEW dynamite. Since let's you want to find go back our there. way, let's find our way. And some bit, a lot of stuff here in this segment, a lot of stuff. So we have uh, FTR and Tolly Blanchard versus the Jurassic Express. Now, first off, Tully Blanchard comes out with the old United States Championship in a robe. J.J. Dillon is out there. After the match, we have Sean Spears come out after he interferes, costing Jurassic Express the match. Arn Anderson comes out, throws out the four fingers, and Tully and J.J., more four fingers. The first tease of the four horsemen since we talked about it, what, in July or August when we had that mm. huge video that go- that went up for us? Yeah. Not only that, we had the big show come, or excuse me, Paul White come out. No more BS. Love that, by the way. Love that little subtle jab at WWE. No more BS. No more bullshit. No more big show. Uh, He comes out and he says to Tony Schiavone that he's got the scoops. He's got the scoops that a Hall of Fame worthy talent is going to be coming to AEW after signing a multi-year deal as of Sunday. So, Ralph, lot lot to digest here. So let's start. There with, certainly is a lot. Where do you want to start with this one? Let's, let's start, start with, with the fact that J.J. Dillon and Eric Bischoff were on the same TV show. That is true. That is true. So obviously that that's a pretty big one. Also, the the tease of the four horsemen. Do you think this was a tease, or do you think this was just like a one off because J.J. was there, totally wrestled, Orange just like saluting his yeah. his fellow horsemen, or do you think there's going to be a progression with this? I I think that this is the closest thing we've gotten to somebody acknowledging that there is some type of faction that's going to be created or, you know, formed in some way that resembles the four horsemen, you know, Mm -hmm. having JJ Dillon there, having Tully Blanchard work a match, having Arn Anderson come out on the, on the stage and essentially salute the guys that were in the ring. Um, they're going to, I think that they have to do something with this group. I don't think they're going to call them the four horsemen. I don't know if they call them the revelation. The one thing that I think was missing from this, because I thought this could have been a really, really big moment. 
especially to those that have followed pro wrestling for a really long time. This is what bothered me. This could have been made to feel like a really, really important moment, not just last night, but depending on what happens with this group in pro wrestling history, what was missing was, if you remember back when Hulk Hogan turned on WCW and joined the NWO or created the NWO, it was his promo that drove home the fact that he was really, truly a heel and he was telling everybody why he was turning heel. And then you had the fans throwing things. It was, it was one of the most iconic moments of the Attitude Era, right? What happened at the end of this match was after Arn coming out, giving them the four horsemen fingers, all that type of stuff, they literally walk up the ramp right past Tony Schiavone, who has a live mic, and nobody cut a promo. Nobody said anything. Nobody got in the mic. That was the thing that should have happened. Now, well, granted, it looked like the, JJ was trying to say something, but Tony cut him off. He shouldn't have been the one to say it, though. Like that's the that's the part where you give somebody an opportunity to become a star. Like I don't know if that was somebody from you know FTR or Sean Spears. Somebody needed to cut that promo to be like, look, this is this is who we are. This is what we're here to do. Like solidify themselves as a real major player in AEW and in pro wrestling. Mm-hmm. And you know I. I think that they missed a real big opportunity there when that happened. And um, that was one of the things that I noticed. I felt like it could have been much more impactful had they done that. Give somebody the opportunity, you know? I mean, I think at this point, if if they are going to go through with it, and it will be a four horsemen faction of some kind, I think they planted the seed. I didn't think they wanted to just plant the seed, throw the fertilizer, let it grow overnight in one big swoop. I think the Arn showing up was the subtle hint, like there's something coming. But AEW tends to try to prolong as much as they can and not just give you everything at once. Although sometimes their shows are like giving you all at once, but that's totally different thing. I think it makes people guess who this fourth person could be. And I I wouldn't be surprised if it ends up being Cody. I mean, we already know that... um, Arn is the coach of the nightmare family or the night, whatever they're called nightmare family, nightmare factory. Cody could be that main focal point of the four horsemen or whatever they're called and be the mouthpiece and be the big heel. And maybe he starts using his EVP muscles to start getting himself into big matches. You have FTR as the top tag team. You have Sean Spears as the TNT title picture and you have Cody in the main event picture. So, I wouldn't be surprised if that's where they go, but they couldn't do all that one night. Let it develop. I think. I, I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not saying they need to go all in on one in one night. I just think that ha- they should have given some of the opportunity to cut what could have been an epic promo and really solidified the fact that they were there to stay and do a lot of damage, but mm-hmm. uh, no point, no point in uh, looking back on it now. Cause it didn't happen. So. Right now, but we did get that major announcement from the the. I'm going to call him the Big Show just because I'm used to calling him that. So, uh, the major announcement from the Big Show that everybody's talking about. Yes, that is true. So, before we even go to a commercial break, Paul White comes out right at the nine o'clock hour. He talks about how he's going to be doing the commentary for AEW Elevation, and tells Tony Schiavone he does not have. He's not the only one with scoops. Paul White says that he he knows of a Hall of Fame-worthy talent signing to AEW for a multi-year deal. We'll find out Sunday who it is. So it's got everybody guessing in the IWC. Is it going to be Lesnar? Is it going to be Batista? Is it going to be RVD, Ryback, Mark Henry, Kurt Angle? Or is it going to be Ethan Page? 
Is it going to be someone like, I don't know, Dalton Castle? Is it going to be Kazuchika Okada, Kota Ibushi, Tetsuya Naito? Could it be someone from NXT crossing over to AEW? I have no idea. It really could go anywhere. It could. And and here, here, here's part of the problem. Well, it could be part of the problem, depending on who it ends up being, right? Because mm-hmm. Tony Khan went out and said, I believe it was today, he did an interview, this came up, and he said, quote, it's going to be a huge, huge star. Correct. Okay. Yep. Now, AEW's fan base, or Tony Khan specifically, because he's the guy that owns the company, I think sometimes he has a tendency to overrate what somebody's capabilities are in terms of their 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 appeal to the masses like mm-hmm. saying that you're a huge huge star to him could be somebody like you know a, a really good wrestler that the iwc loves but when you say huge huge star there's only a, a, a literally a couple of guys that can fit into that that description in mm-hmm. my mind it's it's got to either be punk or lesnar to be saying huge huge star I don't think there's anybody else right out there right now that's a free agent unless unless and this is the other dark horse and I don't I don't think she's even a free agent unless it is um Ronda Rousey. No, Ronda she's Rousey, still signed with WWE for another year and a half. But she might be. I know she was training and then there was all these discussions about she's signed, she's not signed. If she's not signed, I'm just saying she could be somebody that fits that mold as big big star or huge mm-hmm. huge star is what he said. Mhm. But I mean, I don't know. What do you when when you hear huge, huge star? Do you like this is this is what I'm trying to, to yeah. get to get out here? Right. Is he talking about huge, huge star to to the to the masses, to even like the casuals, to the fans that maybe don't watch AEW, to the fans that used to watch at a different time in pro wrestling, or is he saying like huge, huge star, meaning like Okada? Because to me and you, Okada's a big star. To somebody that watched during the Attitude Era that doesn't watch wrestling anymore, they don't know Okada from the guy that's walking down the street next to them. You know what I mean? So that's where where Tony Khan sometimes can make these statements like he made about Pac coming back and kind of get some fans to, in, in a position where they're let down. So in my mind, when you hear huge, huge star, Hall of Fame potential or whatever, the, however he worded it. Hall of Fame worthy. I mean, I don't think it's going to be Punk or Lesnar. Here's the other thing we got to take into consideration. No one ever mentioned that it was a wrestler. That's true. Could it be a commentator? Could it be a Hall of Fame worthy commentator? Like maybe it's a little stretch, but could it be Mauro Ronaldo? Could it be a Hall of Fame worthy manager? Uh, like who, Jim Cornette? <laughs> exactly. How big would the IWC go nuts for? Good and bad. If it ends up being Jim Cornette as the huge, huge star in the wrestling industry. Mm, I mean, I doubt it, but I don't know. Never say never in the wrestling industry, right? No, that is, that is true. You do never say never in pro wrestling. Um, I don't, I honestly don't know who this is going to be. And I'm either going to be shocked because if it's punk or lesnar i will legitimately be shocked and that will be a huge signing for them and or i'm going to be totally let down like if it ends up being rvd as much as i liked him like hyping him up as a huge huge star at this point i don't think so i know some people are throwing out christian as a possible name but um 
According to Raj Geary of Wrestling Inc., he signed with WWE when he came back in the Royal Rumble. But assuming that report is wrong, could it be Christian? Again, though, like, okay, do you consider Christian a huge, huge star like now in 2021? Even then, like during the Attitude Era. No, like, Edge was, was the bigger star. Good. Edge was always the bigger star. Christian went to, to TNA and even there, like, yeah, he was really good and he did a lot of good things, but I don't know, man. Like when you start throwing around phrases and sayings like huge, huge star, I just, there's only a handful of guys that are going to fit within that, that, that saying there. Right. Um, right. I, I, I really think, don't know. I, mean, I don't know what to expect. If it's someone that's not in the hall of fame, my guess would be, I mean, I would think punk makes the most sense. But then again, I've seen people point out the fact that Cole Cabana is there. So as long as Colt's there, it's not going to be punk. But CM Punk is doing that show with Stephen Amell. And I'm pretty sure Cody was involved in that show as well. So maybe they talked when they were doing, you know, production, if they were on the same episodes or whatnot. The guy that I think it could be is a guy that just joined Conrad, uh, Conrad Thompson's uh, podcast family, Kurt Angle. Mm-hmm. That is a name that's got tossed around quite a bit. And, you know, short term, great. You're going to get a lot of fans that are interested. You'll get fans that'll pop. It'll probably pop a big rating. Everyone will be excited. But then you're, again, and I hate to be the downer on this, but I said the same thing about Sting. What are you going to do with him? How far is that going to go? He mm -hmm. admitted, if anybody that follows Conrad's podcast, I've listened to all the episodes so far, he admitted himself. He's not the guy he once was. He can't work to the level that he was able to work early on in his career. And this is going back two years ago at WrestleMania when he was saying he wasn't in good enough shape because of the arthritis and the neck injuries and things like that. So what do you do with Kurt? Like, is he going to play a GM role? Is he going to be an on-air talent? Is he going to wrestle? That can only go so far. You know, like, like I want to see AEW start to create new stars and having Kurt there as cool as it would be, because don't get me wrong, it'd be an awesome moment. Just like, okay, after the dust settles and after everybody's calmed down from the, the debut, if he's there, it's kind of like, all right, well, now what? That's kind of like what we're seeing a little bit with Sting now. It's like, okay, mm -hmm. well, week after week after week, it's kind of similar segments because the guy can't wrestle. He's he's old and he's injured. So, you know, I, I think it would be cool to be Kurt, but... You know, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't see what they could do with him long-term. Right. I, I agree. I mean, we'll, we'll find out Sunday and it's probably going to be either the biggest thing in the wrestling industry, or it will be the worst thing in the wrestling industry. I don't think it's something in the middle, but maybe Jr. will come out and he'll introduce fake Deezer and Razor again. Or, or like I said, they didn't mention it was a wrestler. We don't know where Shaq went. Give us the match we've been waiting for. Shaq versus Paul White, damn it. That's the match we've been waiting for. But, all right, speaking of announcements, though, um, AEW Dynamite was not the only ones to have a big announcement teased. NXT. So after Shayna Baszler and um, Nia Jax retained the uh, WWE Women's Tag Team Championship, thanks to Adam Pearce coming out of nowhere, throwing a referee in there, uh, helping Shayna Baszler uh, win the match by a chokeout of Dakota Kai, who was not the legal woman. We see Regal and Pierce it backstage talking about something. Regal says, 
a major announcement is going to be made that will change the landscape of NXT. So Mm -hmm. NXT fans are now talking what it could be. Obviously, we heard the news earlier this week of NXT possibly moving to Tuesdays. We know the news of NXT Evolve is going to be happening with Peacock. Uh, People are teasing Evolution because of the poster being behind Regal. It's Women's History Month. It was involved with the Women's Tag Team Championship match. Could this lead to Raquel and Dakota heading to WrestleMania? A lot of stuff that could be brought here. Also, we know that TakeOver is going to be happening on April 8th which is the Thursday before WrestleMania. Do we get a two-night takeover? Why are we getting so many guessing games in one week? Because that's what they want you to do. They want to build suspense. They want you to be guessing. They want you to tune in for next week. So, As Roman Reigns said, why are you playing games with me? (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, Uh, yeah, I mean, any any one of those things can certainly happen. I think that, you know, I, I thought NXT was a really good show overall. I thought that, the way that they kind of set things up to actually be interested in uh, the following weeks and not just booking it what seems to be like week for week. Um, I think that's a, a, a little different from what they're usually doing. So mm-hmm. I, I liked that aspect of it. And I liked this announcement that he came out and said. Right. And uh, personally, I thought this was the match of the week from both shows. Shayna Baszler really? and Nia Jax. I thought Dakota You Kai- thought that was better than, than uh, the main event on NXT? With yes. Balor and Strong? Yes. I, I thought so. I thought uh, Baszler and Nia Jax did a really good job cornering um, Dakota Kai for most of the match. Raquel Gonzalez getting in there, you know, showing her dominance and the tease of her and Nia. And I know a lot of people probably don't want to see Nia Jax in some big marquee match, but a couple years down the line, when Raquel makes it to the main roster, that's going to be a money match, I think. Not like main event, but, you know, pretty... High on the card women's match, personally. Nia Jax versus Raquel Gonzalez. And will it be the greatest match? Probably not, but Raquel is going to look damn good in it, in my opinion. Let's head back to uh, AEW Dynamite, Ralph. As we have the Women's Eliminator Tournament final, Nyla Rose and Rio Mizunami. I think a lot of people went into this thinking that Nyla Rose was going to win. We were going to see Hikaru Shida versus Nyla Rose for the third time on pay-per-view. But that's not what happened. Rio Mizunami wins, beating Nyla Rose. We get this little thing afterwards where Shida hands the trophy to Mizunami. Then they're striking each other. Hakaru Shida, you could see her smiling in the process. So, I mean, I'm surprised. And I think a lot of people are surprised. But do you think the Eliminator Tournament was a success for the women's division? For me personally, no. Because it didn't build any more... It didn't it didn't leave me wanting to see more out of anybody I saw in the in the tournament itself. Um, I don't I don't I don't really think it elevated anybody. I think part of the problem was a lot of the matches didn't take place on Dynamite. And a lot of people will not go out of their way to watch some tournament on YouTube or BR Live or wherever the matches were taking place. Mm -hmm. So I think it was really hard for people to pay attention to it. Um, I also felt like or feel like, you know, having somebody who's a relatively unknown in the finals can work out if, if it's the right person. I just don't, I don't, I don't see this. I don't see them creating a star out of this tournament. And I think if you're going to do a tournament, whether it's the King of the ring, whether it's this, you want to come out of that feeling pretty confident that the person you're going to crown as champion or winner of the tournament 
is going to be a star. That's the point of like, you know, mm-hmm. the G1 when the king of what they had when they had the king of the ring. Like that's the point of it. And I don't feel like right. they accomplished that here. I mean, I have to see what happens Sunday. If Mizunami ends up beating Sheeta and becomes the women's champion. Let's think about this. She had to beat everybody in Japan, come here and do the whole quarantine thing before she faces Nyla Rose who beat Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa to to advance to the finals who essentially were two of the top five for most of the month and beat them in probably in cases where most people probably did not think Nyla Rose was going to win, even though she probably should have been picked as the favorite in those matches. And Mizunami beating Nyla Rose, in theory, makes you think, okay, Nyla Rose just beat the best of the American women. Mizunami just beat Nyla Rose. So Mizunami turns out to be a serious threat to Hikaru Shida. Those that follow, you know, Joshi Potoresu wrestling probably know the history between these two, if there is any. I personally don't. Uh, I think this match is going to be a decent match, but when you have so many other big matches on the card, this one can be one of those that could be under the radar. It doesn't necessarily need to be a big, big match spot here. So while I feel like I personally would have picked maybe Thunder Rosa or Britt Baker to win, Rio Mizunami, if she ends up winning the, the title, isn't necessarily a bad thing if that's what they're following through with. Well, Mizunami is is the underdog. Would we agree she's the underdog going into this? Yes. So we've kind of seen this already. We've seen the same story in the women's division AEW. This is what seems to be the thing that they keep going back to. Like it's they're going back mm-hmm. to the well one too many times trying to play the underdog story with the with the them with the, with a relatively unknown individual going up against the champion. Right. That's kind of what they're banking on here. We saw that with Rio, her being much smaller. Hakaro Shida, she was a relatively unknown, at least to, you know, I would I would imagine the casual fans didn't necessarily know who she was. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're doing that here again now. So right. it's like, how many times are they going to take this same approach? To me, this match, this whole tournament, it's all kind of, it's for dirt sheet fans. It's for fans that really pay attention to everything outside of the major promotions not not the the casual fans have no clue who she is true true but i will i I will say though like i said before this match does not necessarily need to be one to attract casuals this is one of those where the other matches are attracting the casuals the mjf and chris jericho versus the young bucks the moxley and omega those are the ones that are selling the pay-per-view what's the problem the the problem there is that like that those are the matches that are going to sell the pay-per-view. You don't want people so you don't want it where okay this is like the bathroom break match. You want it where okay well this is a match that is going to catch people by surprise. And granted it might Maybe it does. But at the same but at the same time you don't want to put those people in a situation where these people are, they're just going to look at it and be like oh, I have no interest in this. And if the tournament was going to be uh the whole point of the tournament was building up to this point where you should be interested going into the pay-per-view, not by accident, like if you just so happen to sit there and decide to watch the match. The, 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 the tournament leading into the pay-per-view was supposed to be the thing, in my opinion, that drew people in or got a little bit of, a little bit of intrigue there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, having all these high-profile matches and then, then just this match randomly thrown in there, I don't get it. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, to me... I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised with these two, I think. I think Mizunami, for, I mean, I've only seen her in two matches, both of them in AEW, both of them on television when she 
was on, what was it, Fight for the Fallen um, last summer. And then this match here, she looks good. I mean, I don't know what she was doing with the whole pull, tugging a rope before she closed line Niall Rose. But for the most part, she looks stiff in the ring and her and Nyla were th- really throwing blows. So I-, I think the match will be good. And for what it needs to do on this pay-per-view that we're having here, I think it will deliver. It doesn't need to be a classic. Maybe it does over-deliver. But I think for an AEW Women's Championship where obviously they're trying to showcase a different style of wrestling to the American audience, this would be a good way to showcase that. After this on NXT, we had the first appearance of L.A. Knight. And he's talking to you. He's talking about how he is the Tom Brady of wrestling. But he doesn't want the term GOAT because it's an overused term. And this is a promo that he cuts before Bronson Reed and Cameron Grimes. Um, Bronson Reed is dominating this match. Cameron Grimes acting like the chicken shit heel he is, trying to pay off Bronson Reed. Uh, Reed is going for the tsunami, but LA Knight throws in Grimes' hat, distracts the referee, pushes off Bronson Reed, and Cameron Grimes gets the win for the cave-in. What are your thoughts on... I, I, I like that Grimes got the win, but what do you think of LA Knight and Bronson Reed for Knight's first feud in NXT? I mean, I don't think it's all that exciting, but at the same time, I, I I don't expect them to throw him right in there with some, you know, like your Killer Cross or even like you mm-hmm. know, Finn Balor. All those, all those guys are tied up in major feuds. So I think this is a good starting point for him. I thought his promo was really good. I'm excited to see him get in there and start mixing it up with some of these guys. And I, you know, I don't think it's a bad start for him. I'm a little surprised they went with Bronson Reed because, you, I mean, I'm assuming Knight's going to be the heel, obviously. Reed having the advantage with the size. So obviously this would help push Knight if he ends up beating Bronson Reed down the line. But I thought they would have gone a different route somewhere. But again, you talk about Cross is already tied up somewhere. You talk about um, uh, Balor tied up and the Undisputed Era tied up. So where does LA Knight go? Yeah. Uh, Bronson Reed, I guess, is the best choice for that. But I, I I just hope that the that I, I like both of them and hopefully they could book it in a way where LA Knight doesn't look terrible if he ends up losing or Bronson Reed looks terrible if he ends up losing. It, it's typical main roster booking where, okay, we got to find a way to protect both these guys. Yeah. But uh, next up here, Sting and Darby Allen, Ralph. Sting oh, and my Darby favorite Allen. segment. Yeah, Sting and Darby Allen. So Sting is out interviewing with Tony Schiavone yet again and talking about how he's ready for the street fight. Ricky Starks comes out and he says that, you know, you still got it, but I still don't see the icon. Slaps him in the face. Eventually Starks gets put into the Scorpion Deathlock. Powerhouse Hobbs tries to pull Starks off of it. Brian Cage tries to powerbomb Sting again. Darby Allen comes out and Team Taz runs off uh, one last time before the street fight. I thought there was some good in this. I thought Ricky Starks and Sting were good in their promos. I don't know what Powerhouse Hobbs was doing. <laughs> Why not just go into the ring and clothesline Sting off of the Scorpion Deathlock? Um, I'm not that bad. Like I'm not that mad about Darby attacking Cage when he's trying to do the power bomb. And we've seen Team Taz run off so many times now that it's just become numb to me. But 
Was it the best go-home segment for this match? No, but I thought it was still solid in its own right. Well, my only gripe with the, well, there's a few things with this. Uh, one being the fact that we now have two week, two, two consecutive weeks in a row where uh, Darby and Sting have essentially gotten their revenge on Team Taz. So it's kind of mm-hmm. like going into the street fight. You know, what type of revenge are they supposed? What what type of revenge are the fans looking for them to to get out of the street fight? You know, when when you have the face team get. Uh, get the revenge two weeks in a row or get the better of the heel team two weeks in a row. What do we have to look forward to? I, I thought they should have gone the opposite way with this. I thought that they should have done a team Taz beat down. So that way the fans are left looking forward to the, the face team being Darby and sting getting the revenge here. So that was one part of it. The the thing with, 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 with Hobbs, I, I don't get that at all. It was kind of like he was reaching reaching to try and save Ricky Starks rather than just going in the ring and being the 300 pound monster that he is mm-hmm. and just taking out sting. Right. The thing that I don't like uh, out of all of this. And I've said this multiple times. Now there's five freaking guys, five or six, however many guys in team Taz and five. they continue to run away. They continue to cower from Darby Allen, who has to be 175 pounds. If he's more than that, he's got to be soaking wet and sting who is 61 years old. Why are these guys running away as a group when Brian Cage and Will Hobbs are close to 300 pounds? It's just, I get it. I'm not trying to overanalyze it, but at the same time, it just doesn't make sense at all. So the only thing I could think is Sting and Darby, Darby farted are in the ring. What? That they're setting it up for Sting and Darby to look good on the go home so that Brian Cage and Starks win on Sunday. That's. I mean, I, how many times have you seen in a go-home segment, whoever looks strong on the go-home show ends up losing on the pay-per-view? How many times have we seen that in any promotion? No, I, and I'm not saying you're wrong. I just don't know how, how, how does Team Taz have any credibility left when three or four times it's happened where they've been chased off by, by Darby and Sting? Because when, there's no, not stat, even like there's no stat for how many times you get chased off. There's only stats for wins and losses. And wins oh. and losses matter in AEW. So if you're going to win and look strong, it better be when they count. And that's when wins and losses matter at a pay-per-view. I see. All right. Uh, we did have Max Caster advance to the uh, face of Le- uh, Revelation ladder match. And also on NXT, Legato Del Fantasma beat down Brizongo and Everrise before their match to show dominance after last week. But we head to our main events. We'll start with NXT's main event. Finn Balor versus Roderick Strong. Roderick Strong loses to Balor in the non-title match. But we also find out earlier in the night, Balor versus Cole for the NXT Championship. A lot of unfold here as Roderick Strong comes out in new music and new attire. Match was pretty good in my opinion. I thought, uh, like I said, the women's tag was better. But this was a very good setup match. Balor had to win, especially if they're setting up the NXT Championship match next week. Cole comes out after the match. Uh, and they have a stare down, I guess, uh, on social media afterwards, they did post that they had a scruffle afterwards. I didn't see the full video yet to see exactly what happened, but are you surprised that this match is on free TV and are you excited for it? Nonetheless, I think it's on free TV because it's gotta be set something up, whether that's Cole and O'Reilly, like pushing their storyline. If O'Reilly comes out and costs him the match, so I think something big is going to have to happen next week. Mm-hmm. And if that isn't Adam Cole winning the championship, something else has to happen. So 
you know, um, I'm not going to complain about seeing this match for free on, on, on TV, but at the same time, yeah, it is a, it is a pay-per-view worthy main event. So, yep. um, I'm a little time, surprised, but not the first time we saw these two on free television, obviously yeah. over the summer, Balor and Cole faced off in that overtime Iron Man match where Balor beat Cole to win the NXT championship and has not lost it since. I think we're seeing a title change. I think Cole's going to end up winning next week. And then you see Strong, you see O'Reilly, and we end up all three of them being involved in the NXT championship storyline. Uh, maybe Balor gets back into it. Either becomes a four-way or a triple threat down the line for TakeOver WrestleMania weekend. That's where I think that's going. So I, I think... It's going to be great. Nonetheless, great television for NXT next week. You have that championship match. You have the women's championship match uh, with Tony Storm and Io Shirai. Whatever's happening with the way. A lot of, lot of stuff going on in NXT. And, of course, the big announcement. So I'm excited for that. On AEW Dynamite, the main event there was um, Adam Hangman Page and John Silver beating Matt Hardy and Mark Quinn after the match. Matt Hardy attacks Hangman Page with a microphone. The Dark Order comes out to save Hangman Page. You got all the heel teams coming out. You have all the uh, face teams coming out. And there's just a big brawl that ensues to close out the show, featuring all the tag teams that are going to be in this casino battle royal for the AEW Tag Team Championship. If we didn't have the pull-apart brawl with the Bucks earlier in the night, I thought this was a great way to close the show. And even then, I thought it was well done because you have all this chaos and you have Jim Ross going, what's going to happen? Tune in on uh, buy the pay-per-view on Sunday. Like stuff like that needs to happen more in television, on wrestling television, where there's a lot of chaos. You don't know what's going on, confusion all around. And you have the commentary just going, we're out of time, folks. See us next week. Yeah. They needed that. Sometimes scarcity is your best friend, especially in the in the entertainment industry or pro wrestling specifically, because you already kind of touched on this. There was already one pull apart brawl or major brawl with the Young Bucks. There was already more than one table spot. Mm-hmm. So to me, that I think that was the 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 story of the night for AEW. It was a go home go home show that had a lot of really good to it, but a lot of repetitive stuff, and they were just trying to do whatever they could to make this feel like a really big show, um, which it was. I think I think it was a big show. I just think that the execution in a lot of different parts, you know, weren't thought through enough or weren't they didn't focus on the smaller details, which to me is a little surprising because sometimes I think AEW does do that really well. But I I don't know. There was just it felt like the pull apart brawl to me. To me, that's just so cliche. Like, you know, it's going every time there's a big match. It, and it's not just an AEW thing. I feel like it's just so overdone. Like WWE, well, WWE used to do time. it at nauseum. Almost every all single go home time. show had Lesnar a and Undertaker brawl. must have had like eight different pull apart brawls. Like that, that was always their go home angle. So I'm just, I feel like I'm kind of used to seeing it. Yeah. So that's why I, I didn't, I, I, it was fine, but it was just, I've seen it so many times. Right. Right. All right. So we talked about both shows. Obviously people want to know about the ratings and this week, believe it or not, AEW Dynamite went down slightly in the 18 to 49 demographic, mostly because uh, they did not have the same female audience as they had last week, but they did get a bump in the 50 plus demo, which helped them in the total viewership. They gained over a hundred thousand total viewers, 934,000 total viewers, uh, compared to last week's 831,000, a 0.33 in the 18 to 49 demographic. 
NXT continues to climb in the 18 to 49 demographic, going to a 0.20 this week and getting back into the top 20. However, they did take a hit in the total viewership as probably a lot of the 50 plus viewers went from NXT to AEW Dynamite this week. 692,000 total viewers for NXT. So Ralph, both shows had a lot to talk about. I'm anticipating a lot for next week as well. But what show was better this week, in your opinion? Uh, I actually thought NXT was better this week because I think that NXT followed a much more... Um, how do I want to say this? NXT was much more coherent this week. AEW was good and it had a lot of really good moments. But at the same time, I felt like they were just trying way too hard to make this feel like a really special um, episode of Dynamite. Like they had a lot of big names here. Eric Bischoff was there. JJ Dillon was there. Shaq was there. Big Show was there. All those things. And all those, thi- all those things certainly happened. But I think that the execution was missing on certain things. I already pointed out the thing about the Four Horsemen thing. Um, I, that that struck me the wrong way. I thought that the Shaq match was was fine because I thought Shaq did well. But I just think there was some miscues throughout that match. Already talked about the Young Bucks. I don't need to get into that whole promo thing again. Pull apart brawls. Multiple of them. Um, AW wasn't bad, but I thought the execution could have been much better. So I'm going to go with NXT because I thought that the execution side of things were much better on NXT. I think the matches were better on NXT, but I think overall the show, AW Dynamite had a much better show. I think, uh, yes, both of them had stuff to talk about coming out of it. Uh, obviously who's going to be signing with AEW? Are we getting the four horsemen? Uh, who, what's this big announcement with NXT? A lot of stuff is hyped up for next week. Obviously, the two championship matches for NXT as well. But AEW Dynamite, I felt like, with the exception of the Pack ray Phoenix match, there really wasn't a throwaway minute. Everything had something to either talk about or had some meaning to it. And even the stuff that was, quote-unquote, bad, you know, if you want to talk about the Bucks promo, if you want to talk about the Shaq match, even like a lot of people were thoroughly surprised with the Shaq match. And I was too. Um, and throughout the show, I was just entertained. I was really entertained. And even if it was crap wrestling, if it was crap promos, if it, you know, for some reason I was just thoroughly entertained and I was entertained with both shows, but I just thought AEW dynamite was the better show this week. But doesn't matter what we think. It matters what you think. Let us know in the comments which show you thought was better this week between AEW Dynamite and NXT. And let us know in the comments who is showing up on AEW Revolution as the big, huge star. Don't forget to share us all over social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at SCPD Podcast. Subscribe, hit that bell to join in the conversation. We'll see you on the next episode of the Squared Circle Psycho Battle.